0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the You Imagine podcast. In today's episode, Joseph Abraham, the CEO of Startup Atom, speaks with Mr. V. Inbavijayan, who is a seasoned arbitration practitioner with over two decades of experience working with organizations globally. As one of the leading arbitrators in India, he is the managing partner of Cove Global, as well as the Arbitration Committee Chair in the Southern Indian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. In this episode, Mr. Inba Vijayan speaks about navigating the legal framework from a global perspective with insights on commonly missed aspects when operating globally as an organization. Listen on as Tamil Nadu sets the stage for UMagine 2023 on the 23rd to 25th of March this year.
1: Good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us at UMagine and, uh... It's really nice meeting you at, uh, at a unique place far away from Chennai in Israel. Uh, it, was, it was nice to connect with you, get to know you, um, and get to know you and your practice, right? So I was pretty intrigued and uh, enjoyed and cherished our conversations there. And this is the overflow from there uh, in terms of, uh, there are a lot of different things that happened with technology companies and startups. And I think we had this conversation there. And I want to talk further about that, you know, this afternoon with you um, around various topics about um, what are some of the things that startups and tech companies do wrong when it comes to uh, the whole legal framework, all the way to, you know, things around, um, you know, you can sort things out before you can go to court through arbitration process and how does that really happen? I think a lot of them don't even know about uh, such a thing, especially in the startup and the tech world. So, this will be a good conversation for people to know about these things and thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, it's uh, really a privilege for me uh, not
2: only uh, meeting you at the particular delegation in Israel and the interesting conversation what we had on the part of uh, technology as well as uh, startup companies Uh, it is is, might be a new new field or it is a different unique nuances to understand this particular field. Uh, In the perspective of uh, law and the legal field, uh, to what extent we can just materialize and to what extent the legal support is required for these tech and the startup companies, I think it will be really a wonderful conversation which has already begun in Israel. Now we are going to continue with this. I hope I also might enjoy this. Uh, At the end of this uh, conversation, I hope, it will be a really interesting uh, broadcast for the audience who are going to be their tech as well as the startup companies.
1: Thank you so much, sir. So um, what are some of the legal issues that you generally like, you know, come across? We'll start with that, right? Uh, Both in the tech world and startup world, what are some of the common legal issues?
2: Yes, uh, rightly pointed out, uh, it's a legal thing is there, but uh, the issues, what you're saying is we shouldn't, look into as issues. Legal is legal, issues is separate. Uh, As an entity, whether it is going to be a tech company or a startup company, the essentiality is that a company has to be effectively incorporated in the place where it has to be uh, emanating. Uh, Whether it is going to be a proprietary concern or whether it's going to be a limited liability partnership, or now we have the one uh, person company, we also have the limited liability Uh, guarantee companies as well as the traditional public limited as well as the private limited companies. There are multiple scope of operations of any companies. This is essential part of creating a whether a tech or a startup company. These uh, essential incorporation needs legal support from beginning. The incorporation has to be done in a legal way. Uh, As a basic structure we do have these uh, memorandum of articles of association to be created. We need to have the formal agreements, the partnership agreement. We need the uh, documents like uh, uh, incorporation uh, documents, which leads to the certificate of incorporation. And not only it ends there, we need to have the uh, collaborations with the Ministry of Corporate Affairs, uh, the uh, organizations like the registrars of companies, the registrars who comes under the state governments wherein it is essential going along with the tax authorities. Multiple aspects are there to start with. But the legal support what I wanted to share is that these all can be done with the support of a proper legally qualified person as well as the persons who are so-called the company secretaries who
1: can facilitate this. Got it, sir. So, a company incorporates And, you know, they get into business and a lot of them don't understand uh, the legal side of things. Well, they understand what they do best. Probably, you know, they are good at creating a a product or they're good at coding and they're good at their own areas. So coming back to the same question, what are some of the areas that, you know, most of them overlook, you know, and and they, they give it a free run? And then they get caught in a corner and they get pushed usually. And what can they do to avoid that?
2: Yeah, this uh, happens to be uh, not the primary activity, a secondary activity, we can just consider. Uh, A business module is there, the person is creating with some innovations as a startup, or it is a tech company having the best technology, it might be a transfer. Uh, They also leads with multiple contracts and agreements, what they are going to enter. When they're going to enter these contracts, the contract would be divided into multiple covenants. And one such covenant is the legal covenant. Major part of the commercials of that particular contract would be taken care of by the domain experts or the person who's going to be the founders or the core people of it. But when it comes to the legal part, the legal part is very essential because every contract or every agreement, it leads to dispute. As lawyer, we are very clear that disputes are inevitable in any arrangement. We are entering into partnership, whether it's going to be a startup company or a tech company, one person or go more than one person. We are just going to get associated with some other third party. When they are going to enter, obviously, they are going to enter with a relationship. That we call a legal relationship leading to a contract. That contract might be for technology purpose might be for commercial purpose, might be even for basic leasing purpose. A company has to operate from a locality. It starts from there. Then they have to move. Logistics is involved. Then they have to go with the factory or other facilities. There, obviously employees, the employee relationships, all other aspects are there. And finally, they have to end up with uh, the cross-border transactions if they are going to go beyond their borders all these gets involved in multiple contracts. The, the most overlooked one is the legal part of any contract. The legal part, particularly the part where or where they are going to end up when an issue or a dispute or a disagreement arise. In a larger perspective, we say that it's a conflict. But as a business person, conflict feels to end of their business. It shouldn't be an end. For that, when we start with the contracts, we shouldn't overlook the aspects like the dispute resolution clauses. Whatever might be there in the covenants, if you have an effective dispute resolution clause, that will save you 50% of your problems solved at that point itself when we properly incorporate it. But this is in the hands of the negotiators. When you are a negotiator, you, you are not going to negotiate on your own you're going to negotiate with some third party and facilitators, whether it is a domestic uh, vendor or it's going to be a cross-border vendor. We had to be cautiously negotiating with them. In a business negotiation, we have to include a small portion, these judicial part. If we are clear on it, surely they will overlook it. This is one. Secondly, don't go with the standard forms of uh, the contracts. We, Normally, go with uh, the uh, latest technology. I think uh, if you see, uh, we call it Chat GPT. Last week, I came to know about it. Uh, when you just want to have a template, if you just put a lease agreement between an Indian company and an uh, Israeli company uh, going to be executed in Chennai, a template comes. Don't do it. You have to properly draft a contract, your commercial part, your judicial part pricing part, and most interestingly, the insurance part. All have to be covered properly and it has to be structured. We have to avoid standard forms. If you avoid that, the second, we are clear. Third, very interesting thing is that when you're going to enter into such contracts, choose the right place to resolve all your issues. The right place depends upon multiple factors, political certainty, I am not saying about the cross-border, even the uh, domestic one. If you are just going to a state which doesn't have a proper government, the political certainty would change the policies. Policy has a huge effect. And second vulnerability is the tax regimes. Tax regimes is differing from state to state, country to country. We had to be cautious. Who is going to pay the tax? Who has to take the owners of paying the tax? Tax might be an addition to the contract value. Thirdly, we also have to look into the domestic market. Whether it is an employee or whether it is going to be the uh, market wherein uh, the the party is going to supply a product, the finished product. All has to be properly surveyed and based on that, that particular covenant has to be included. These three has to be the pioneer for consideration for anyone to enter into such a agreement or an arrangement, so that we can
1: minimize that dispute, which is going to be escalated in future. I, l- I love the way you structured it. I think disputes are inevitable, but if you are able to think through beforehand and uh, proactively address it right in the beginning, it, it solves a lot of problems and really great. Now, A lot of tech companies and startups, you know, do something which is very proprietary. And hence they go and uh, they want to safeguard that through, you know, uh, a different ways of as in your own uh, words, contracts, right? So can you talk a little bit about intellectual property? How do you really structure that? And how do you really ensure that you're safeguarding yourself as a company so that nobody else steals the code? or it could be a patent, or so on and so forth. Uh,
2: Coming to intellectual property, uh, honestly speaking, uh, India, if the startup company or the technology company happens to be having its base or incorporated in India, our laws would apply. Our IP regime is quite uh, like a cradle baby. Uh, We have to just explore a lot of things to make changes to lead it and reach to the international standards. We do have, from 70s and 80s, we do have the intellectual property legislations, that's a laws, which is safeguarding, and it is also good. But the problem is, uh, when, it, when you are going to deal with a patent, uh, the patent regime, granting patent itself, we have a lot of years. Uh, it's not going to happen in a year or two. It might take even four to five years to get a patent. And if you see, the life of the patent would be 20 years. After that, we have to renew it. And the search engine, what has been facilitated by our uh, Intellectual Property Boards are uh, uh, not to that standard, what has been expected. uh, Suggested by WIPO, that is the World Intellectual Property Organization, which stations in Geneva. Uh, That particular uh, organization is managing the entire uh, domains of these uh, IP rights. Uh, When we consider these IP rights, whether it is going to be copyright, trademark, patents. As startup company, patent is very uh, prominent one. There are multiple other bilateral conventions and multilateral conventions. To better understand, bilateral is between one to one, one country and another country. And if it's multilateral, there'll be group of member states. At least some five countries have just entered into that arrangement. Either way, whether it's going to be unilateral or bilateral conventions, when you're going to get an IP right in a particular country, assuming that in India, that right would be applicable with the multilateral member states. Five other countries also would accept that regime. If it is going to be bilateral, it is not like that. It is one-to-one. If you are going to have a patent here, and if you are going to just enter into an arrangement with a company in Bangladesh, then that bilateral agreement, if it is there, it works. If it is not there, then your IP, IP right, particularly patent applies only to the jurisdiction within India. When you are going to enter into Bangladesh, you are entering into a agreement with a royalty agreement or a licensing agreement. So very common. I have a patent right. I am going to sell my product in a particular market. I am finding a supplier or whatever, who might be in that particular jurisdiction or a country. In that country, when we are going to identify, we are also going to add in the agreement that a territorial perspective wherein that particular patent would apply only for that particular territory. Assuming that there is no bilateral and we are entering into the market, honestly speaking, no one would be very clear on it. They enter, enter into the agreement, sign it and say that within the territory, you are entitled for that particular licensing or the royalty agreement. Next moment, they'll start doing their own with a new brand, the same with the same pattern. It is violation. No doubt it's a violation. We call uh, like a gray uh, infringement of it. The rights what I have. But still, we have no right to challenge that person because we don't have a bilateral India-Bangladesh uh, convention or an arrangement or a treaty. Don't choose Bangladesh. You have to choose a place where Obviously there uh, both the parties or the both the countries have an arrangement. Very common uh, convention in this particular IP field is a Madrid. Madrid convention is very prominent which gives a lot of opportunities for all the IP rights. When you say about uh, the other IP like geographical indi- indication, anyway it's not connected with the startup or technology company, but still for an understanding, Uh, If a place like uh, a region in a particular, in the southern part of India, turmeric, turmeric is a product, highly valuable product. When you see during COVID, uh, there was uh, news reports in Sri Lanka that there were smuggling activities regarding turmeric. This is only because of the demand, the demand for turmeric and the price was shooted up to 400 to 500 percentage and people started smuggling because there was a ban. Here, turmeric, there is a geographical indication. A particular region has got a right for a particular flavor or a particular uh, texture of that particular turmeric. Likewise, we have the basmati rice. The same rights would have also be available with a company which is in US. Whether India and US are into the same convention, that we have to focus at the time of sharing our patent. Very important, at least in pattern, Copyrights, trademarks, violations are very common. And the most recent one is the domain names. Every person, you forget about the product. You look into your own company, a tech or a startup company. When you're going to have a a establishment in India, you're going to get a a country-level, top-level domain like .in. Very common. Assuming that uh, uh, I'm having a... Uh, domain called uh, inbar.in. I'm doing a legal service. Legal service also s- like at now a, a, a tech uh, company. Uh, we are going to have a start startup. I'm starting it. When you just have a search, we can find inbar.com, inbar.org, india.inbar.net, uh, inbar.edu. These are all generic level top level domain domains. These two, earlier we had four, like uh, .com, .net, .org, and uh, Uh, a common one for the education institution, EDU. Now we have multiple, we have .biz. It, It goes on increasing, but country level doesn't increase. For India, only .in. For Japan, it is .jp. I'm having .in, .com is there. I'm doing a genuine business, .com is not doing a genuine business. The same legal service is something illegal. My right is violated. That we call cyber squatting. The trademark on the online platform becomes cyber squatting. It's a very common dispute. I can't do a business. My reputation has got spoiled. Now, I can go to an organization called ICANN. I-C-E-N-N. That body deals with domain name. And if a dispute, it will be referred by ICANN to WIPO. Arbitration and Mediation Center, that they resolve the dispute within 21 days. That is the beauty of it. But as a legal uh, advisor, what my suggestion is that when you're going for any IP rights, we have to be very cautiously dealing with it. Allocate your budget, your business budget for legal support. Get the proper advice from the legal experts. A A lawyer might be expert in a particular area. You had to choose the respective lawyers, get the legal services for IP, then for incorporation, then for drafting the contracts. These three are very important. Starting from incorporation, leading to
1: IP rates and finally entering into contract, you can successfully do your business. Got it. That's that's really great. Thank you so much for all these inputs. Um, very very interesting actually. I like I like the the turmeric example sits very well in my head. Right. So um. There is a regulatory environment that, uh, for both investments, uh, and it varies from country to country. Um, I I want you to give me your views and and your understanding of how Tamil Nadu is a really good place to actually come invest and be part of. At the same time, uh, how does this vary from country to country in a very macro level? Now for a quick word from our sponsors.
0: On March 23rd, 2023, from across the world, the best from the tech industry are gathering together in Chennai, India for an amazing event, you imagine, where industry leaders will speak on the latest in Climate Tech, Web 3.0, AR and VR, AI and ML, data science, and all the latest tech trends making the rounds since our new normal. Now you can get a sneak peek into some of the speakers earlier by listening to their podcast on the UMAGINE podcast right here on your favorite player. For more information, visit www.umaginechennai.com
1: Now, back to the episode.
2: I beginning with uh, Tamil Nadu, but we can't just segregate Tamil Nadu from India. India, exactly. Because we work out as a federal setup and there are certain uh, laws which are considered to be uh, central laws, certain laws, state laws, and there are a list called concurrent list, which works out both for the state and the center. In the larger perspective, India has a excellent regime, the legal regime, including the intellectual property rights. Ours is going beyond, not only it's like a developing one, now we are reaching the developed nations category. We are a member of all the conventions, major conventions, only one we have missed out, that is good for us. We have not signed a convention called ICSID, International Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes. That is, if a foreign investor comes, uh, their rights has to be uh, safeguarded. India didn't sign. If you are going to sign and an investor ends up in a trouble, that investor has to go to a body in Washington DC and the final uh, order given by that particular authority is once for all final, whether it's a government or not surely it will goes against any g- country we have not signed and good example i think you would have seen some a decade back argentina argentina entered into a huge crisis because of this particular body icsid all the investments six major companies from us they invested huge money on the oil and gas sector all of a sudden that particular country expropriated all the investment in a normal english language is very simple nationalization of the assets of the investors in India we had in 1975-70s uh, during the regime of uh, Honorable Prime Minister Indira Gandhi all the banks were nationalized if a private investor comes and do a banking business here what will happen? their investment is gone whatever investment they uh, made they have to get the profits or at least what they have invested they had to get it That goes to that body and mostly that body is in favor of the investors. Exappropriation is against the basic principle. Now, what will happen? If it is one or two, the country would go to debt. In India also, we have the same issues. I'm I'm going to the larger scale. Why? Because even in startup companies or a technology company, we are expecting investments. A foreign investor comes through a joint venture. That investment, if it comes, it can be $1,000,000 or it can be $100,000,000, it is investment. It comes through FIPB, Foreign Investment Promotion Board, they give the approval. Once it is done, their investment is safeguarded. For that, India, even though we have not signed that particular convention, we have signed more than 80 bilateral treaties, investment treaties, we call BITS. That BITS automatically applies if their investment ends up in trouble. And as a local partner, you also have to face that particular issue if that uh, investment goes into trouble. We have to know about these at the time when we are going to get that investment. The investor would be clear. He is very clear which country to enter. To enter now India's best. Our investment regime is perfect. Why? Because our bilateral investment treaties have been relooked during 2010 to 2016-17. Before that, we had a vulnerable BITs. Now, the BITs are very, very comfortable and many of these BITs are also guided by avoidance of double taxation. It is not that those investors have to pay tax in both the countries. One country they can uh, pay the tax. In that way, they are very happy to come to India as a large. When they come to Tamil Nadu, Tamil Nadu is the best destination because this destination has lot of non-tax or a less non-tax barriers. Tax is considered to be a barrier. If you are not going to have a tax, it's wonderful, but no country in the world is without tax but the tax regime is so comfortable, so that the companies would be very happy to invest. This is quite, quite interesting when it comes to uh, Tamil Nadu. Secondly, Tamil Nadu has a structure of uh, the co- incorporating the companies in a very simple manner. It's a single window system, which is also there in the federal setup, but it's effectively working through uh, state like uh, Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, many states are there. But in that, Tamil Nadu is considered to be pioneer. Thirdly, any company, whether it's a tech or a startup company, essential thing is resources. It can be human resources, it can be water resources, it can be any other resources. Particularly when it comes to technology or the startups, the uh, intellectual property that resources is abundant. The innovation sector is quite, quite, quite developed in our state, particularly uh, in our country, sorry. Uh, When it comes to Tamil Nadu, it is the most welcoming state for it. The fourth one in the legal perspective, the judiciary is quite pro, pro commercial contracts. The judiciary are looking into the commercial contracts in the commercial perspective, not in the legal perspective. There is a huge difference. If a person, a judge looks into a contract in a legal perspective, then any contract can be uh, going to a issue which is considered to be a dispute. And that dispute would be eventually ending up in a huge trouble. But when it comes to a uh, commercial perspective, they could find, if they could find that uh, it's uh, totally, totally Uh, going with uh, the uh, factual point or the commercial point, the judiciary is welcoming. The judiciary, if it is welcoming the commercial terms, particularly we call the legal language trade usage or a customary practice. Every business has its own customary practice. If you look on a customary practice which is considered like maritime, logistic we can say. A startup company or technology company has, uh, has some particular product which has to be moved from one location to another we are either depending a truck or depending a ship or we are depending a, a train or whatever the goods vehicle or we are going for uh, some uh, services facilitated on road whatever might be these logistic companies have to enter into a particular arrangement and that arrangement is not in the general legal perspective that business has its own trade practice. That customary trade practice has to be understood by the judiciary and then only your case would be constructively dealt by that courts. In the state of Tamil Nadu, we have a good judiciary which is pro-commercial. In the sense, it doesn't mean that they are going to facilitate uh, the uh, the business people. They are cautiously looking into every contract in a commercial perspective. They are not totally into legal and they are going whether it is going along with the legal requirements. It shouldn't be forbidden under any country law. Particularly, this judicial uh, atmosphere is another welcoming note for the state of Tamil Nadu. The final one, what I feel as lawyer is that the intellectual Uh, scenario of legal professionals in this particular state is also quite interesting. Here we have a combination of lawyers who are multitasking. Multitasking in the sense many lawyers are also company secretaries and chartered accountants. And some judges who are sitting in our state happens to have more than one qualification who can understand finance, who can understand trade, who can understand the basic law and who can also understand the technology part. We do have engineering background and lawyers, that is called techno-legal consultants. This resource is also available in our state. These are the uh, major uh, chunk what I feel in a personal note is available in the state of Tamil Nadu. Beyond that, I think uh, the commercial uh, people are quite happy and the Guidance Bureau of State of Tamil Nadu is uh, proactive, uh, facilitating all investments, all companies, and
1: very constructively it is happening. Awesome, sir. Thank you so much for that input. I mean, uh, five strong pillars is what you shared. Um, going on to the next aspect, which is, okay, so you start a company, you have a contract, you're careful about being I mean, proactive about what you're drafting and uh, from a dispute angle, you have set your IP in place, you understand that this is a good destination to be in. Now comes the whole thing. What if you get into a dispute, right? Um, it is inevitable as we discussed, and uh you are a you you practice you know arbitration on a daily basis. Can you talk us through what is this arbitration process and how is it different from the traditional litigation that somebody goes to the court and goes through the whole process? Uh, Well, uh, arbitration is
2: just a very innovative uh, mode of dispute resolution, which was traditionally considered to be like an alternative dispute resolution. That is a process which is not happening in the traditional courts. It is going outside. But if you see the background of it, uh, quite long period, at least in our country, uh, during the British colonization, a lot of uh, cotton I think India was very uh, prominent for the cotton. And uh, every cotton produced in India was moved to uh, UK, particularly Liverpool. The port of Liverpool, it goes and the final product comes back to India and the other communal countries. Those trade had to be effectively uh, controlled and the mechanisms have to be there because we didn't have not much of traditional codes those days. The trade the trade uh, associations, the trade stakeholders, all were there to deal with these disputes. And there was one exchange which was called the cotton exchange in Bombay, those days. And when a dispute arises in these transactions, uh, it ends up in a uh, cotton trader. A cotton trader sits and identifies the qualities of the cotton produced in Coimbatore, cotton produced in nearby Bombay, cotton produced in uh, in uh, Central India, every region differs. That quality can be analyzed only by a cotton trader. That cotton trader sits and do a dispute resolution. It was not taken to the courts. That informal way of dispute resolution now has taken shape after 1940 in our country by way of a legislation arbitration. Arbitration is nothing but resolving a dispute uh, outside the court With the help of a neutral person and the finality is there when a judgment is given in that particular process. There is no court intervention. The court is facilitating and once a finality is given in the the arbitration process, it can be taken to the courts and enforced in a simple way. It is a simple process of this arbitration. This arbitration, how it is going to facilitate the as well as the startup companies and why it is essential. As earlier mentioned, uh, disputes are inevitable, but still we have to manage it. To manage it, the first rule is that, don't go to the courts. Going to the courts, I am not just restricting it, your rights are there, you can go to the apex maximum Apex Court, that is the Supreme Court of India or any other country. But going to the courts, your matter should not be dealt with the person, who is not so familiar on that domain. We can't just expect a judge to be an expert in all areas of uh, business. He might be an expert in a particular area. He might be expert in tax. He might be expert in a criminal matters. He might be expert in a normal trade. A business is not simple with one particular area. It's multiple. And all those factors can't be constructively dealt by the uh, courts and the judges. Now, we need to have a person who can understand our dispute, analyze the dispute in a constructive way, and also deliver it in an effective manner. For that, when you go for arbitration, there are five important elements. One, you are going to get a quick remedy. Second, we are going to get a cost-effective remedy. Third, we are going to have a process which is totally flexible. In courts, you might be familiar that if, we go to courts, we call the adversarial process and it takes several decades to see the outcome. True. We have to wait for a long period because of the procedures which is already available. In arbitration, there is no procedure, it is flexible. Fourthly, if you say, this entire process is private and confidential. Every businessman would be happy to have their disputes kept in a secret, like its main core trade secrecy, we also should have our dispute in a secret manner. It has to be resolved. A secrecy is there in arbitration, but it is not totally secret. Only the disputing parties and the person who is facilitating that particular process have to be kept in confidential mode and we can resolve the dispute. Finally, it is all happening outside, but still, it is effective to be executed. A contract has to be executed, as well as a dispute outcome also has to be executed. That is happening in arbitration. All these five leads to arbitration. And another one, which is considered to be like a cornerstone or a pillar stone, you can say, is that particular arbitration is party friendly and party autonomy is predominantly prevailing. As a company, I have a dispute. I am just going uh, to resolve the dispute with the other party. In that particular process, I should have the right to choose the procedure. I should have the right to choose the arbitrator or the mediator who is going to do that. I should have that right to even settle the issue during the course of that process. That right is there in arbitration which we can't see in the court. Once we go to the traditional court, the main vulnerability is that we had to be represented through an attorney, in a US language, in a Commonwealth country, by an advocate, in other jurisdictions, we call them as lawyers. We have to go through them and they will be the representing person on behalf of us before the judge. What will happen, the communication is through a medium, which is really a wonderful medium, but still the actual communication doesn't leads, goes to the place where it has to be resolved. And the party has no right beyond that. The party is instructing a legally qualified person to take it forward. In arbitration, the party has a total autonomy. The party has a full say to deal the entire process. Even the party can withdraw that particular process. He has that right. All these 5 plus 1 interesting things makes us to go to arbitration. This is quite common in arbitration perspective. When it comes to cross-border, your company is not confining with only the domestic market, it is the global market. When it comes to global market, this is the only available dispute resolution process which has the recognition. The same example of India and Bangladesh, what you can expect? A dispute comes whether you'll end up in Bangladesh court or whether the other party, the Bangladesh party would end up in India court. No one would be interested. I am not interested to go to the Bangladesh court. Similarly, the Bangladeshi party also won't be interested to come to Indian courts. Everyone would have the hostility, the fear of hostility. Sure, no doubt. We have to avoid. What is the available medium? Go to the conventions or the treaties. They all lead to a path only to arbitration. Whether it is investment, whether it is trade disputes, whether it is a joint venture dispute, whether it is sales dispute, whether it is licensing agreement, whether it is a royalty agreement, any agreement which is legally acceptable can be taken to arbitration
1: without any hesitation in a cross-border transaction. Hmm. Great, sir really, really, um, you know, gives us a good framework about what arbitration is and how it can apply to tech and startups. So uh, my final question to you is, uh, what are your expectations from an event like you imagine which is going to be Asia's uh, biggest tech conference? As a as a legal expert and a professional, uh, you know, what is your expectation from an event like this? Uh, per se, as an individual,
2: practitioner, arbitration practitioner or basically a lawyer. Uh, It is quite interesting the way how the uh, the uh, ambience or the uh, umbrella what we call of any organization now having a different perspective of startups, technology companies. This is a really a good development, a good change we can say and the change is leading to young entrepreneurs the first generation entrepreneurs to get into a business even I personally uh, if an opportunity comes I'll be the first person to take but I can't take the risk of uh, reaching an investor uh, uh, having my collateral uh, to get some funds and proceed but uh, as in a larger perspective what I'm looking is that this particular technology startup or particularly the event what uh, we are all uh, anticipating and expecting the most uh, expectation, I can say, is going to bring all these companies, the professionals, the facilitators, as well as the government, the sovereign government, in a legal language, sovereign government, which is very unique, and the stakeholders. Bringing all these stakeholders in one particular platform is, first of all, a very interesting one. Secondly, this synergy, what is expected, uh, has to work out if it is going to work out, this particular platform would be the start for any startups and technology companies and you imagine is uh, in a science perspective it's a catalyst. That catalyst is going to give the final product. Anyway, there will be some uh, uh, left out byproduct that byproduct are there to deal by lawyers like us. (laughs) Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. So it was really good to navigate through Um, you know, the whole right from incorporating a company to safeguarding interests to doing business worldwide and also how do you resolve disputes? I think we have done a whole full circle on this and thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing your thoughts and insights with us. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for giving me this opportunity and I am also just happy to share here.
2: Uh, We uh, I or particularly I representing a particular organization called the Southern India Chamber of Commerce wherein uh, that uh, gave me an opportunity to lead a delegation along to the Israel along with uh, people like you and I am very happy uh, on behalf of SIKI as well as an individual uh, arbitration practitioner that you are building the bridge and this particular event I am expecting in a personal note that this will be a real bridge bringing in, not only the investors, the most essential nucleus, that is the startup companies and the technology companies to explore the global market. This is just a fear, what you might have in mind, the legal one. No need to fear of it. Legal is part of your business. Take it in the right sense. It will be there. You have to constructively manage it. Every organization has managers, and the latest management uh, policy includes law. Take it and you can be very successful. And and I take this opportunity to congratulate team as well as the persons who are behind this entire uh, effort, what you are trying to build up and make it. And it has to be a reality, not only for the state of Tamil Nadu, it has to be a reality for all people in Tamil Nadu right thank you
1: absolutely thank you so much sir for your time and uh you know it was really nice chatting with you and having this
0: conversation with you that leads us to the end of this episode of the you imagine podcast we want to take this time to thank our guest mr Vijayan, who is the managing partner and an international arbitrator at cove global for taking the time to come on the show Special thanks to Joseph Abraham, the CEO and founder of Startup Atom for hosting the show and the Imagine team for their support. Special mention to Arun Joseph and Subhash for getting this podcast off the ground. I'm Ben, and we'll see you next week.